0: Well, once again, good morning and Merry Christmas. So glad that you are here today. This morning, we're continuing our message series, The Light of Christmas. Over the past several weeks, we've been looking at how the different characters within the Christmas story responded to the light. If you recall from week one, we looked at how Jesus is the light. Now he burst into human history and came and dwelt among us, and and he provided a way for the thick darkness within our hearts and our souls to be eradicated. Then um, we looked at how how Zachariah and Elizabeth responded to the light, how Joseph and Mary responded to the light. Last week, we looked at how the shepherds and angels responded to the light, and this morning, we're looking at how Simeon and Anna responded to the light, and then this evening when we come back together for our our candlelight service, we're going to be looking at how the wise men responded to the light, and so I'm looking forward to this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2 We're going to begin reading in verse 22, and we'll read through 38. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. And this is what the Lord's Word says. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Our message point this morning is this. Be on the lookout. Be on the lookout. I love Christmas. I love, um, the anticipation that grows with Christmas. Some of my greatest memories have occurred on Christmas morning, as I'm sure many of you in this room would agree with. Every year, both big kids and little kids greatly anticipate what awaits them, maybe in their living room or underneath their their trees. And if you have had kids or have kids, then you know that every single year there is that number one gift that every child wants. That one gift that's practically impossible to find. I reach back, um, to, in history's past and I try to identify some of the, the number one gifts each Christmas year. I didn't go through all of them, but we're going to skip around. But some of the ones that I kind of liked um, or ones that were real popular. Um, And if you were born the year or were alive when these are up here, then raise your hand. I'm kidding. You don't have to do that. But in 1929, the number one anticipated gift was the yo-yo. Anybody alive in 1929 that remembers the yo-yo? In 1936, the number one anticipated gift was Monopoly. In 1943, it was the Slinky. In 1952, the number one anticipated gift was Mr. Potato Head. In 1959, it was the Barbie. And my favorite in all of the lists that we're going to look at together is 1975. It is the Pet Rock. Okay, I want to read to you the description that goes with the Pet Rock. It says, during the 70s, the man behind the Pet Rock had two revelations. Number one, people want pets that don't need to be fed, cleaned, or tended to. And number two, people are stupid. (laughs) Thus, the Pet Rock was born, and the man behind the Pet Rock short-lived but became an instant millionaire. As you can imagine. So what is the next Pet Rock to be birthed out of our brains? That's the question. In 1980, it was the Rubik's Cube. In 1982, it was the BMX Bike. I wrecked a few of those over the years. In 1983, it was the Cabbage Patch. Some of you in this room probably still have Cabbage Patches that are worth a lot of money today. In 1989, it was the Game Boy. 1996, the most anticipated gift. And this is really when I remember hearing about that number one gift. It was Tickle Me Elmo. I mean, people went berserks trying to find Tickle Me Elmo. In 2007, it was the iPod. In 2016, last year, it was the Nintendo Classic, which is just kind of hard to believe. And then this year, I have no idea what this thing is, but it is the Cosmo. Okay? Anybody familiar with the Cosmo? Okay. So we got at least one person that wants the Cosmo this year for Christmas, I guess. You know, this time of year is a time of great anticipation, isn't it? Now one of my favorite songs um, Christmas songs and it's you know it, it really the last kind of stanza I guess has to do with um, with with Christ and his birth but but the 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 chorus of this song is you got to get up you got to get up you got to get up it's Christmas morning that's a song that rich Mullins recorded many years ago and even as an adult today sometimes on Christmas morning that song just resonates within my mind you got to get up you got to get up you got to get up it's Christmas morning. Within our passage this morning, we are introduced to two amazing saints of God who were on the lookout for the Lord. Simeon and Anna, they were greatly anticipating the first advent of the Lord, the first coming of Jesus Christ. You now we don't know much about these two individuals. We know that Simeon was righteous and devout. We know that Anna was a worshiping prayer warrior who lived in the temple. If we stopped there, that would be enough for us to just put an amen after the descriptions about their names and about their lives. But we can't stop there because there's more to the story. Both of these characters within our Christmas story were well advanced in years. For Anna, we have a specific age, and that age is 84 years of age. Now, the Greek is a a little bit hard to read here, and so as I was doing some research, um, some believe that Anna was actually older than 84, and they kind of come up with that age by, if you take... the 84 that is mentioned plus the seven years in which she was married before she became a widow. And then you add on to that anywhere between 13 and 16, um, which was the typical age that a woman would be betrothed to a man. You would come up with an age over a 100 years Old, So Anna was anywhere between 84 and maybe 104 years of age. Simeon, we don't know his age, but what we're told about Simeon is that he was well advanced in years. Notice our first point this morning. It is this, the dedication of Jesus. This morning our story begins with the circumcision of Jesus. In verse 21, again we read, And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. You know, we see two things in this verse. The first thing that we see is we see the proclamation of the name Jesus that occurred the day that Jesus was circumcised. The angel of the Lord had already declared to Mary and Joseph and to the characters within our Christmas story, the name was Jesus. But the world had yet to be introduced to Jesus, and that occurred the day that he was presented in the synagogue and circumcised. Following the circumcision of Jesus, we fast forward 32 days to the temple dedication, which was a time of offering and cleansing. Now we find Mary and Joseph in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord. Here they will dedicate Jesus to the Lord. Many will also, Mary will also offer a sacrifice to the Lord, which was commanded of all women in Leviticus chapter 12. In verses 23 to 24 again we read, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. They presented Jesus in the temple and offered sacrifices for Mary's purification. You know, I love the picture here. I love the picture of Mary. And Joseph and Jesus in the temple together, worshiping together. You know, we've come together this morning as a faith family. You've come together as family units to worship the Lord together. May that be what we do every single Sunday. We come together to worship together, to meet together. You and I coming together as a faith family, worshiping the Lord is essential. When we live in community together, we are strengthened. We are stronger and we are sharpened. We read in Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. As one man sharpens another. In Ecclesiastes 4.12 we read, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. When we come together, we are strengthened. We are made stronger. So there's a reason that we come together every Sunday to worship together. You know, I love the first church. What did the first church do? They met together daily. May it be said of us one day that across these cities, we come together on a daily basis for worship and discipleship and equipping. Notice our second point this morning is this, the anticipation of Simeon and Anna. You know, I think Simeon and Anna had a, strong, a song of anticipation in their hearts as they faithfully waited for the arrival Of the Messiah. You know, I think back to when Danny and I found out that she was pregnant with Connor. Every single day, our anticipation grew stronger and stronger until July 20th, 2001, whenever he was born. And then we fast forward a couple of years, and once again, that anticipation grew in us when we found out that, that Danny was pregnant with Caitlin. That anticipation just grew and grew and grew. And, and I know that all of you, as you think back to having children, that day and those, those, those moments just ticked by and that anticipation grew and grew and grew. Simeon was a man that lived with great anticipation. He was given a promise that he would not see death until the Messiah was born. You know, Simeon, let's look at Simeon's character and promise that was given to him. In verses 25 through 26 we read, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You know, I wish I could give you a list of everything that Simeon had accomplished in life, but we don't know much about the life of Simeon. We don't know which tribe he was from. We don't know anything about his education. We don't know anything about his occupation. Uh, Many believe that he was a priest, and he could very well have been a priest, but we just do not know. Notice what the Scripture does tell us about Simeon. First thing Scripture tells us that he was righteous. Simeon was in right standing with God. In the midst of a darkened world, Simeon was righteous. Just like most of our characters within the Christmas story, this man was in right standing with God. Notice also that Simeon was devout. This Greek word for devout means that Simeon was reverent toward God. He was a God-fearing man. He was an upright man that obeyed the law of the Lord. May that be said of us as well. May it be said of each of us in this room that we have been found righteous before God and that we are devout, committed, and sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ. We also see that Simeon... We, we read here that he was waiting on the Messiah to come. The scripture says, waiting on the consolation of Israel. That's what that means, that, that, that Simeon was waiting on the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ. Simeon was anticipating the arrival of the Messiah. He was waiting on the first advent of our Lord, the first coming. That was a promise given to him by the Lord. Christmas Day is a day that we celebrate the first advent. But guess what? As believers, as 21st century believers in this room, we remember the first advent, but what do we do? We anticipate the second advent. We anticipate the Lord's second coming. There is coming a day when the Lord is going to return for his church. In his first coming, Jesus was a suffering servant. In his second coming, Jesus will be the conquering king. Are you ready for the Lord's return? If the Lord was to return today, would you be ready for his second coming? We also see here that the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. This is significant because this is pre-Pentecost. For Simeon to have been filled with the Holy Spirit before Pentecost put him into a very short list of saints within the Scripture. Very few people were filled with the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Those that were filled, for the most part, it was only for a season of their lives or for a particular um, ministry moment in their lives. It wasn't with them from the time that they were born up until the time that they died, as the Holy Spirit is with us that are born again. At the moment we become a Christian, at the moment we profess Jesus Christ to be our Lord and are forgiven for our sins, at that moment the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. So Simeon, pre-Pentecost, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then also notice the Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he would not see death until he had seen The Messiah. That is a staggering revelation. Since Adam and Eve, everyone knew that the Messiah would come, but no one knew at what time in human history that would occur. For thousands of years, man had lived with that promise. Many of them had even lived with that anticipation would the Lord come during my lifetime? Think about. Out of the millions of people, possibly even hundreds of millions of people that lived from the time that Adam and Eve lived up until the time that the Messiah burst into human history, there was only one person outside of the immediate family, Mary and Joseph, and those that the angels revealed that the Messiah was going to come to. There was only one person in all of human history that lived with the promise of as given by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death until the Messiah came. Think about that. It just blows my mind to think about how the Lord entrusted this promise to Simeon. And you can be certain that that was something that he did not take lightly. Every single day that ticked by as he grew older, you know that that anticipation grew stronger. You know we don't know how long he lived with that anticipation. It could have been that he lived with the promise for weeks or months or years. But most likely, it's probably decades that he lived with that promise. Here's what we can assume. With each passing day, Simeon's anticipation grew stronger. He knew he could not live forever. So he lived knowing that tomorrow could be the day that the Messiah would come. Folks, tomorrow could be the day that the Lord returns. How awesome would that be on Christmas morning that the Lord returns for us, his church. In Revelation 1-7 we read, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will well on account of him. Even so, amen. Are you ready for the Lord's return? Are you ready? Notice our next character. It's Anna. Anna was a worshiping prayer warrior. Just like Simeon, we don't know much about Anna. What we do know is that she, um, what, what we do not know is who she was married to. We don't know what her husband died of, and we also don't know what led her to live in the temple. We're, we're not told those things. What we do know about her is that she was a prayer warrior. That she was a worshiper of the Lord and that she practiced the discipline of fasting. She, was, she would also tell of the glorious encounter she had with the Messiah to others. Nothing else is said about this woman other than those things. She encounters the Lord and then she goes and tells others of her encounter. May that be said of us as well, that we encounter the Lord and immediately we go and tell others of our encounter. Notice our third point this morning is this, the praise of Simeon and Anna. The praise of Simeon and Anna. So Mary and Joseph enter into the temple with the baby Jesus. To every eye in that place, their baby was no different than every other baby that that marched through that temple on a daily basis. It was just another newborn child waiting to be dedicated. Have you ever wondered what physical qualities Jesus had that set him apart from all the other children that entered into that place that called Simeon caused Simeon to believe that, that Jesus indeed was the Messiah? You think it was um, that he had a hel- halo above his head? You know, if you look throughout history, especially within our museums, you see most Pictures of Jesus with a halo behind him. Do you think Simeon saw a halo behind the head of Jesus? I don't think so. So how did Simeon know that Jesus was the Messiah? That the baby that Mary and Joseph held in their hands was indeed the promised Messiah. You know how how he knew? Because the Holy Spirit revealed to him that that child was the Messiah. And so Simeon would go immediately over to that child. And bless that child. He takes the child into his arms, and he uh, utters this amazing prayer to the Lord. In verses 27 through 33, again we read, And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, blessed God, and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Within this beautiful prayer, you know, we kind of, we, we sense from Simeon, we, we get the, the feeling here that, that he, he, he finally is able to rest. He finally is able to say, Lord, take me now. It's time for me to go home and be with you. I've seen the Messiah. There's nothing else left for me here on this earth. The Messiah had come, and he had had seen the light of his glory, and soon both Jews and Gentiles would see the light of his revelation as well. After hearing all of these sayings, we are told that Mary and Joseph marveled at what was said. Yeah, I'd probably marvel a little bit, too, at what was said. This complete stranger had affirmed on that day all the angel of the Lord had shared with them, as well as the shepherds and all of those that came to worship the newborn king. We see here that Simeon offered a blessing to the Lord. Then Anna after her encounter with the Lord, we are told that she gave thanks to the Lord. She was grateful that the Lord allowed her to see the newborn king. Then what did she do? She hit the streets. As a result of her worship, the byproduct of, product of her worship is that she went out and she proclaimed the good news that the Messiah had come. Notice our final point this morning. It is this, the revelation given to Simeon. Notice what Mary and Joseph hear that day. Their little baby, just 40 days old, Simeon would tell them that he would divide people. In verse 34 we read, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. John MacArthur in his commentary writes, Jesus is destined to be the determiner of people's destiny. In John 1, 9 through 13, we read, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus came to eradicate darkness. Jesus came to provide salvation for all that would come to believe in him. Both poor, both rich, all people. You realize that families have been torn apart because of Jesus? That's what this means when it talks about division. In some cultures, if you become a Christ follower, your family will disown you. In other cultures, they'll kill you if you become a Christ follower. Jesus is divisive. He divides families. But he also reconciles families as well. Because you remember the message that John the Baptist preached? He preached the message of reconciliation. That's what Jesus does. Yes, he divides people. But he also reconciles people. Because of the glorious work of his life, death, and resurrection. Jesus will also be a sign to be opposed. Again, we read in verse 34, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. Jesus was violently opposed. The baby Jesus would grow into a suffering servant. He would be imprisoned for a crime he did not commit. He would be condemned to die a criminal's death. He would be crucified between two sin-filled people. The world opposed him. The ones he came to die for opposed him. Today, billions of people that walk this planet oppose him. This week I posted, and, and, and many of you saw this, but I posted our our, our Christmas Eve worship services. And... I paid a little bit of money so that it could be an advertisement as well. And so it it would just kind of land in people's timelines. And one gentleman um, posted on to the timeline for, for this um, advertisement. He said, why are you posting things on my timeline? He said, basically he denounced the church and he said this. He said, hell, Satan, is what he said. You know, people will oppose Jesus. Today, people oppose Jesus. Today, people that live in Collin County oppose Jesus. Jesus will be divisive, and many people will oppose him. And so think about how Mary and Joseph, the feelings that they had when they heard Simeon tell of all of these revelations about their child. It doesn't stop there, though. Jesus will also excavate the hearts of people. In verse 35, we read, And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Mary and Joseph would experience much suffering as parents because of their child who would grow into a man. We've talked about this. Jesus was the perfect child. Never did he backtalk his parents. Never did he delay a request from his parents. He did not rebel. He did not break the rules. He did not sin. He was perfect. And he also made it abundantly clear to his parents that he must be about his heavenly father's business. Mary and Joseph loved their son. They must have so wanted him to be like all the other kids and all the other adults in the land. But they understood and they realized that his mission was greater than their mission For their son. And we also see here that Jesus demands a verdict. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Every single heart will be laid bare on this side of eternity. Every single person will have to make a decision either to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation or to deny and reject the Lord Jesus Christ. What have you chosen to do with Jesus? Have you chosen to believe in Him or to reject him? We read in John 3:16, 16, verses 16 through, or three, verses 16 through 21, "For God so loved the world, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And Jesus Christ came to dwell within sin-filled, darkened lives. Jesus, this morning, if you're not a believer, wants to come into your life. And provide for you cleansing and purity. And that will happen when you repent of your sins and cry out to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Believers and unbelievers in this room, be on the lookout. Jesus is coming again. That is a promise that we have. Are you ready? For believers, we're anticipating his second coming. Oh, we're so anticipating his second coming. If you're an unbeliever in this room, you don't... Look forward to his second coming because he's going to come as a righteous judge on his second coming. If you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make, and that is to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you don't know Jesus, you come this morning. If you're here this morning, you've been visiting this church a while, and the Lord is leading you to become a member of Friendship Baptist Church, we welcome you to make this your church we're going to stand together. Bill and um, um, his team going to come up here. And they're going to lead us in a time of worship. And as they come, you stand. We're going to pray together. And then when I say amen, I'm going to invite you to come this morning to make a decision. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you now. Just thanking you again for the opportunity to come together to worship you. Father, I know that in a room this size, Lord, we have both believers in this room and unbelievers as well. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will just speak to every heart in this room. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will just pierce through hearts. May every heart be laid bare before you this morning. Father, for those that are unbelievers in this, morning, this room this morning, make it abundantly clear to them this morning that without you, they will not in, enter into eternal life with you. So, Father, I pray that you'll reveal sin in this room. I pray that that sin will be confessed before you and that every lip, Father, will say that Jesus is Lord. Father, just move now during our time of invitation. Speak to hearts. Lay all of our hearts bare before you this morning. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Praise team is just going to play instrumentally for a moment. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this room. If there's a decision you need to make this morning, you come. I'm going to be standing right here at the front. If you don't know Jesus, you come this morning. You come. If you're in this room and you're a believer, you pray. Pray for those in this room that may not be believers, that they'll come to know Jesus today. Pray for those that you're going to be gathered around dinner tables with over the next few days. Pray that they'll come to know Jesus as well. You pray now. Let's just pray for a moment, or you come if the Lord is leading you.